Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. The last uh, few weeks, months, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. This evening we find ourselves in Proverbs chapter 5. You can turn in your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 5. Even as you turn there, let me tell you a story. I got permission from my son, well, I bribed my son to tell you the story. Uh, tomorrow when we go for our walk, I'll buy him an ice cream afterwards. Um, when you have children, there comes an appropriate time to tell them about the birds and the bees. Um, Liesl did that with the girls. It's my job to do that with the boys. Uh, and by boys, I mean just Thomas, really. <laughs> so uh, that's what happens on, uh, on our walks. We, we head out to Moraleto Kloof Nature Reserve. And as we're walking, we talk about the important things of life. And some of the important things of life is how stuff works. Uh, uh, boys, girls, men, women, husband, wives, you get the point. Uh, these conversations can become really scary if you're 10. Turns out Thomas doesn't know, want to know always as much as dad thinks he ought to know. Um, and so parenting is a, it's actually a tough role. It's a tough role. For some of you, your parents had an awkward conversation with you about birds, bees, flowers, and trees, or whatever it was, um, and you remember that with something of a cringe factor, that's what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> tonight, we're having the birds and the bees discussion from Proverbs chapter 5, and I can't afford to buy all of you an ice cream after church, um, but what we do have is God's inerrant word speaking frankly to us, a father to his sons. And I hope as you listen to this, you might not be 10. Turns out that many of you are in your 20s and some of you are a little bit beyond that. The reality is as God's word speaks to you, I hope that you listen attentively as a obedient child to a faithful parent. We're going to read Proverbs chapter 5, but before I do, let me remind you, this is a spiritual exercise, not an academic lecture, and so let's entrust our time to the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, I do ask, would you take your word, make it come alive to us, that we might indeed see Jesus in it, see our response to him, live out our lives transformed to his praise and glory. For that to happen, Lord God, we know that your spirit must renew our minds, stir our hearts, and cause us to work out this obedience of faith. And so, yes, we ask, please give us a measure of your spirit this evening and glorify the Father in heaven as those who have heard the gospel message seek to be obedient and work out their salvation with fear and trembling. These things I ask in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 5. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, 
She is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to depth. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the way of life. Her ways wonder, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me. And do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. At the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer and a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of a, an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. The iniquity of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of sin. He dies for lack of discipline and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Just so far in the reading of God's word. Amen? Indeed, amen. Let me tell you the big picture that I'm hoping to convey to you this evening. It is this. Empowered by Christ, you can fight sexual temptation by celebrating God's good design. Let me repeat that for those of you who take notes and don't write as fast as I speak. (laughs) Empowered by Christ, you can fight sexual temptation by celebrating God's good design. I am very Baptist this evening. We have a three-point sermon. Praise the Lord. The first, amen and hallelujah. The first point is from verse one to six. From verse one to six. And let me tell you ahead of time what I'm gonna be saying. I'm gonna be saying, listen to the wise call answering the question, how can you fight sexual temptation? How can you fight sexual temptation? First point, listen to the wise call from verse one to six. 
some of you looking at verse 1 to 6 can already see what I'm going to say. <laughs> Second point, from verse 7 through to verse 14. Avoid illegitimate relations. Avoid illegitimate relations from verse, one to, uh, from verse 7 to 14. Answering that question, how to avoid sexual temptation. How to fight sexual temptation. And then the last point is from verse 15 all the way through to verse 23, and it's this. Enjoy legitimate intimacy. Enjoy legitimate intimacy. It's actually quite a simple text, even as I look at it. Hopefully you guys will see that this evening as well. Let's start off with the first point, which is from verse 1 to 6. Listen to the wise call. How to fight sexual temptation. Listen to the wise call, verse 1 to 6. Let me tell you what verse 1 to 6 is going to say, and then I'll say it. Pay attention to wisdom for your benefit. Failing or falling for, sexual, for the sexual temptress leads to pain. Pay attention to wisdom for your own benefit. Falling for, sex, for the sexual temptress leads to pain. Let me tell you what the first part of that sentence means. Pay attention to wisdom for your own benefit. Read verse 1 to 2 with me. My son, my son, this is a king speaking to a prince, uh, a king speaking to the heir to his throne. He says, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my teaching that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. Those are the first two verses. And I'm saying that they mean pay attention to wisdom for your own benefit. There's a principle here that we can lift from the text. Godly children ought to listen to godly parents. Godly children ought to listen to godly parents. That's not so much a precept as we see it in the text itself. But the principle is this. Godly believers ought to listen to godly instructors. Those who teach God's word as God's word and give you principles from God's word that are good for your life, you ought to be obedient to. Listen to the wise call this king is saying to his prince son. Because if you fall for the sexual uh, temptress, and that's in verse 3. It says in verse 3, for the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey. And his speech is smoother than oil. Um, she's forbidden. It's where I get the idea of illegitimate from. That there are legitimate mechanisms for sexual intimacy. In fact, sexual intimacy appears for us for the first time in Genesis chapter 1. Even before the fall of man into sin, God presents sexual intimacy as his design to the world. He talks in chapter 1 of Genesis after he has created man in his own image. He gives him a command to be fruitful and to multiply. Sex is part of God's blessing to humanity and his intended plan A for them. In fact, as you get to Genesis chapter 2, we are presented with the first wedding as God presents Adam with his wife Eve. Um, Adam's response is, whoa, man, uh, woman, uh, this beautiful woman being presented to him. And we read at the end of this chapter, this is why a man should leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Sex and sexual intimacy is part of God's planned 
design for the human race. It's only after Genesis chapter 3 when things start to get messy. First, Adam rebels against God. God gave him one instruction, and instead of obeying God, through Adam, sin came to him and then through him to all men. And so by the time we get to Genesis chapter 4, things are a complete mess. In fact, seven generations from Adam, we have a man named Lamach. And Lamach takes, for the first time, a polygamous relationship. He takes two wives, the one named Ada and the other named... uh, I forget their names. Uh, But he takes two wives. And sexual perversion enters into the storyline. From there, things just spiral out of control as things get worse and worse and worse. And so as Solomon writes this proverb, a conversation between himself and his son, the prince heir, he's saying, I'm warning you of illegitimate sexual intimacy. In this instance, the forbidden woman, the temptress. She's a honeypot. She looks good on the outside, but from her comes only evil and disgrace. And friends, for you, you might be a woman, and you go, well, okay, this is fine for men, but what does this have to do with me? The reality is the principle applies to all of us. There are legitimate mechanisms for sexual intimacy that are revealed in God's word, and there are illegitimate mechanisms for sexual intimacy that are revealed in God's word. This is one example of that. And so the idea here is you fight sexual temptation by firstly listening to the wise call. The wise call to what? Well, the wise call to purity. It says in our text, really, pay attention to wisdom for your own benefit, Falling for the sexual temptress leads to pain. Look at the next two verses, verse uh, um, 4, actually, to 6. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood. She looks like honey on the outside, but she ends in bitterness. And her speech is smoother than oil, uh, sorry, and sharp as a two-edged sword. Uh, You follow her and you will end up getting cut. You will end up getting pierced. Her feet, in fact, go down to death and her steps follow the path to Sheol. I think death and Sheol are a metaphor for this idea of two paths. One, a path leading to life, to abundant life, to joyful life, to exuberant life. And the other leading to death, a, a, a life of shame and a life of guilt. One commentator says this. If you are going to board a plane, you will check the destination before you buy the ticket. Well, friends, when it comes to this forbidden woman, the author of Proverbs is saying, check the destination before you buy the ticket, because her way is only a path to destruction. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wonder, and she does not know it. That's the first point. And I want to apply the first point, not to unbelievers as a warning, but to believers as a warning. If you are here this evening and you are a believer, you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, maybe you are a new convert, maybe you've been a believer for a while, I want to give you this warning because this father is giving his son a warning. And the warning is this, sexual temptation doesn't stop when you get saved. Nor do the consequences of falling into sin. Sexual temptation doesn't stop just because you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. And neither does the very real consequences of falling into this sin. 
And we'll talk about that in a moment. But for now, I'd like us to move on to the next point. And we're answering the question, how to fight sexual temptation from Proverbs chapter 5. The first point is we listen to the wise call. The second point from verse 7 to verse 14 is avoid illegitimate relations. Avoid illegitimate relations. Let me tell you what these verses are going to say before I say it. Then we'll read it. I'm guessing you'll spot what I'm about to say in it even before I get there. Avoid, friends, the sexual temptress because she will rob you in life and trouble you to death. Actually, that's quite a witty saying at the end. Let me, let me say it again. Avoid the sexual temptress because she will rob you in life and trouble you to death. Well, the first phrase, avoid the sexual temptress. I see that in verse 7 and verse 8. It says, and now, O sons. Uh, this is Solomon. <laughs> Solomon did not avoid the sexual temptress. Turns out he didn't just have one heir to his throne. He had lots and lots and lots of kids. And now his purview goes from just the one, the crown prince, to all of his sons. He's now speaking to a wider group of people. He says, and now, O sons, listen, this is the command, to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Friends, avoid temptation. Some of you fall into temptation because you play with temptation. Stop flirting with sin. Keep away from it. Avoid it. Think of Psalm chapter 1 verse 1. Blessed, happy. Do you want to be happy? You want to be blessed? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of mockers. Uh, blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, sit, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers. Stay far away from that crowd. Stay far away from this woman. Avoid the temptress. He goes on to say, avoid the sexual temptress because she will rob you in life. She will rob you in life. It may be that he is talking, literally, that he is talking of an experience maybe with a prostitute and a, a man had been robbed of money or defamed or something like that and using that as an example to his, ch his child and his children. But I think in this circumstance, he's talking metaphorically. You see, Solomon really understood what it was like to be robbed by a temptress. Solomon's father was David. David had fallen into sexual temptation. Now you can read about that this evening in 2 Samuel chapter 11. David's sin in sexual temptation had resulted into a spiral of depravity and that had been uncovered in the next chapter and that is 2 Samuel chapter 12 by the prophet Nathan as he was publicly exposed. The reality, though, is that David faced the consequences of his sin. The consequences of his sin was a family disaster, a complete mess, as his son Absalom eventually completely rebelled against his father. And you can read about that from the 13th chapter to the 19th chapter. Solomon was very aware of, in a metaphorical way, of the dangers of both falling for sexual temptation and the spiral of disaster that that could lead to. 
What he's saying to his children here, and in reality to us too, is avoid the sexual temptress because she will rob you in life and trouble you to death. And I see that from verse 11 to verse 14, and trouble you to death. It reads in verse 14, uh, verse 11, and at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline the ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. This is a man at the end of his life filled with guilt and filled with shame, filled with the memories of what he has done with very little way of excusing himself. I've experienced that. Sat at the bedside of a man who is in the closing hours of his life. For the past week, I'd visited him every day and heard him weeping, filled with guilt, and I wasn't too sure why. Eventually, on the day before he died, he confessed to me that he had, his entire life, had a problem with pornography. The reality is he was a man that was in ministry. His exact words to me was, I fiddled while Rome burned. This had eaten him up over years and years and years. And as he died, wrapped with a terrible disease, he didn't care about the state of his body and he knew that he was coming to an end. What he wanted was relief from guilt. Now, friends, we're going to talk about relief from guilt in a moment. But right now, I want to apply the second point. The second point is avoid illegitimate relations. Avoid sexual temptation. This is the, this is the application, and it's aimed at believers. This is aimed at new converts. This is aimed at those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Avoid the sexual temptress because in a peculiar way sexual sin comes with a heavy cost we see that all over scripture from Sodom and Gomorrah to sexual sins being judged by God in the book of Exodus avoid sexual temptation because in a peculiar way these types of sins come with a heavy cost well, we're talking about fighting Sexual temptation, words from a father to a son. And the first way that we gave for fighting temptation is listen to the wise call. The second way is avoid illegitimate relations. Here comes the third and final point. Enjoy legitimate intimacy. Enjoy legitimate, I'm getting excited, intimacy. It's from verse 15 to verse 23. From verse 15 to verse 23. Let me tell you what this text is going to say, and then I'll read it. I'm guessing you're going to spot what I am about to tell you even before I get there. Enjoy good sex with your wife rather than the sexual temptress because God will hold you to account. Enjoy good sex with your wife rather than the sexual temptress because God will hold you to account. Uh, let's read verse 15 to 19. It says, Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered aboard streams of water in the streets? 
Let them be for you alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely dear, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight and be intoxicated always in her love. Just so far in the reading of God's word and everybody who's married in the house right now says amen and hallelujah. Enjoy good sex with your wife is what this father says to his son. Friends, sex is fun (laughs) and sex is given to be enjoyed. It is given to be enjoyed a lot. (laughs) Legitimately, legitimately, within the bounds of a marriage, one man and one woman for life, God's design is that you enjoy as much sex as the two of you want. Now you're sitting here tonight and you go, but I'm either not married or like I don't even have anyone on the horizon. Like what about me? What does scripture teach about me? Well, two things. The first is this. This passage isn't teaching everything that the scriptures have to say about sex. If you want other passages of Scripture, I suggest that you flip, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and get some of the ideas that God has to say about singleness, which is to be celebrated. But number two, let me just say that this text actually applies to those who are in marriage relationships and those who are not in this. Sex is to be celebrated and God's design in marriage is to be celebrated whether you are in a marriage or whether you are not. If you are in a marriage, you are to satisfy your spouse and enjoy them to the full extent that God has blessed them with you. If you are not in a married relationship, you are either to wait until you are and praise God in the meantime. Does that make sense? The reality is all of us are called to celebrate God's design for marriage. It says, my paraphrase is, enjoy good sex with your wife rather than the sexual temptress. You can read that in verse 20. It says, why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Illegitimate sexual relations are forbidden. They rob you of good sense. Illegitimate sexual relations in, in every context, as it goes to everything, could include fornication, which is sex before marriage, adultery, which is sex outside of the bounds of marriage, things like pornea in the New Testament, uh, pornography, um, any kind of sexual engagement that is outside of the marriage bed. Keep that pure and undefiled. Illegitimate sexual relations are forbidden and they rob you of good sense. In this text, it talks about being intoxicated. It's almost as if this forbidden woman has made this child or children like this or people that Solomon is speaking about drunk. They lose all good sense as they chase after something they shouldn't. Rather, enjoy good sex with your wife rather than the sexual temptress Because God will hold you to account. Read that with me in verse 21 to 23. It says, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. 
He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Friend, don't think what you do behind closed doors is hidden. It just isn't. We believe in a God who is all-present and all-knowing. You aren't hiding a thing from him. And for those of you who are engaged in sexual immorality even now, you know what I'm talking about. The reality is when you lack faith, you fall into your sin. But as faith comes back and you realize that God is ever-present and ever-watching, the guilt and the shame within you begins to well up. That must be dealt with. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but for now I want us to apply the third point. The application of the third point is this. Have a lot of good sex. (laughs) Enjoy God's good gift of sex within the confines of your own marriage. Sex is given for enjoyment. And for those of you who are married, enjoy sex. (laughs) It's a wonderful blessing from God. Well, now I want to deal (laughs) with the point that I've made. What about those of us who have guilt and shame rising up because we have engaged in sexual immorality of whatever kind. And by the way, when we talk about sexual immorality, we're not just talking about the deed, right? Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, extends the idea not just to the action, but even to the thoughts. He says, if you look after a woman with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery. The reality is, as we sit there, who can say that they have not sinned in this way? How do you deal with that sin? All of humanity has fallen into sin. Our common experience with sexual temptation is synonymous with the problem of our heart. The destructive consequences of succumbing to illicit Desires and accepting illegitimate gratification rather than God's good design leads unbelievers towards death. We must recognize our fallenness. Romans chapter 3 verse 19 and the verses around this says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin results in consequences. Some we bear, they are very practical, but many are internal as we waste away with guilt and with shame. We need salvation. Jesus' death and resurrection are the finished work by which we must be saved and reconciled to God. And he not only saves us, but By his spirit, he transforms us, giving us salvation from the penalty of sin, salvation from the power of sin, and salvation ultimately from the presence of sin. Let me explain what I mean. At the point of salvation, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, he saves you from the penalty of your sin. No longer do you stand before God as a wretched rebel against his cause. Instead, you are delivered by the blood of Christ, transferred into the kingdom of light and given his royal robes that you might stand before him, not looking like yourself, but in the image of his own dear son. 
saved from the penalty of sin, declared righteous in his sight. But that's not where it stops. The reality is Christ's salvation affects something, not just when we were saved, but as we live out our salvation. He has saved us from the power of sin over our lives, which means, believer, you can, under the Holy Spirit, live a life of victory in this area. As you healed yourself to the Holy Spirit, as you walk in the Spirit, as you are led in the Spirit, you can walk without the power of sin clutching hold of you. And I've got really good news for those of you who are believers. The reality is even in this life, even as we are progressively sanctified, we still struggle with the realities of sin in our lives. But there is coming a time when we will be glorified, translated into new bodies, presented to Jesus Christ, blemishless and faultless and pure. And we will be delivered and saved even from the presence of sin in our lives. That's what we have to look forward to when Jesus Christ comes again for his bride. But in the meantime... The application of all that I've said is this. Unbelievers, those of you who are wrecked with guilt and understand that you are under the rightful condemnation of a holy God, you are to repent. You are to turn from your sin and put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ that you might live. For those of you who are believers and you are struggling with sexual temptation in your life, friend, I want to remind you that you have the Holy Spirit of God You too are to repent and walk in the power that he gives you, that you might glorify Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior as you work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Here's the big idea that we went through tonight. Empowered by Christ, you can fight sexual temptation by celebrating God's good design. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, I do thank you for your word. It is faithful and true and it is helpful in all matters of life and for godliness. Even as we have spoken about matters which affect so many this evening, I ask, would you bless us with understanding? Would you help us to keep your word? Would you transform us toward the image of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior? And I ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.